Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. We have got Chris Brogan from chrisbrogan.com and Human Business Works on the call today. We're going into something which I feel is incredibly important to building a presence online and multimedia marketing. Now, the purpose essentially of, of all of our marketing forays is essentially to build a community and, and to make sales or generate sales in your business. Now, the best way I feel to do that is to build an engaged audience. So rather than focus on any of the different forms of multimedia marketing, I thought it's really important to, to get a good framework about why you're doing this. And that's where I thought of Chris Brogan is a a published author of a, of a number of books and he's an expert in building an audience. He's got a huge audience and I thought I'd bring him on this episode to discuss how you can go about building your own audience and how you can stay engaged with them. Tune in to that in just a second. And after the episode, I'm going to run through a couple of different sites and apps that I've been using lately, which I think you would really appreciate. Uh, we've got Chris Brogan uh, from uh, uh, Human Business Works on the line. Chris, how are you? Thrilled to be here, Jake. Thanks for having me. No, and thank you very much for taking the time to, to come on the episode and uh, to share your knowledge with our listeners. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And it's really cool that more people are getting interested now in doing different kinds of marketing via multimedia. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's um, certainly the, the premise of, of this show is um, generally we'll interview or bring on a guest each week to discuss uh, a form of multimedia that they're really dominating in. I could obviously bring you on and discuss just about any of those forms of media, but um, I think uh, that, uh, before even doing that, there's one really important aspect to, to doing this type of marketing, and it's about engaging with your audience. And this is where I really think you shine through. For you to say, I, I think that is, in a lot of ways, that's where everyone falls down because they'll work really hard on making something really good. And then I think that the opportunity is a little bit that you make great media, but then you have to follow up with it or it just goes dead. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's, what we're trying to do for our listeners is essentially lay a very strong foundation so that any of their marketing endeavors that they take, uh, that they roll out are actually going to be, yeah, going to have the maximum effect. So Chris, what I'd, uh, what I'd like to do is for those listeners who don't know a lot about you, if you could maybe give us a, a brief history of what you're doing leading up to where you are right now. Sure. Thumbnail sketches that I was back into uh, the land of bulletin board services way back in the 80s. In 1998, I started blogging. In 2005 or so, I started a podcast. And then in 06, I ran an event called Pod Camp with Christopher S. Penn. And from that, I really started to realize that there's just so much more business opportunity. And I left my background in telecom and wireless telecom and joined the circus and started running some events in the space of media making, uh, video on the net was the first one I did with Jeff Pulver. And then since there, I've, I started and sold a consultancy. And now my company, Human Business Works, does courses around helping people do the work they want to do only better, mostly in the digital space. Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. And so essentially, so for the last few years, you've got a fantastic personal blog, which is, is it's, it's top five in the ad age marketing blogs, I believe. Yeah, usually it bounces around with a few other folks in the top five, top 10 or so. Let's just take a look at the time of our recording. I'll probably be way down bottom or something and be miserable. Hang on. 
I'm three. Hurry! I'm head of shoe money and copy blogger, but I'm behind ads of the world and PSFK, both, by the way, who have something like a dozen or more people writing for them. Excellent. So what we're going to run through in this episode is that we're going to, uh, I think first, I'd love to ask ask you some of your, your experience in how you've gone about building your own community and how you're engaging with your own community. Then we're going to deliver some, some action points that our listeners can go away and roll out in their own marketing endeavors as well. But before we do that, I've got a quick question going back to the heyday of the internet. And you said you've, you were playing around with some, some journaling and stuff online. How did you, like, was there any interaction with your readers? Did you know you'd had any readers? No, because there weren't comments back then and there weren't really very easy uh, ways to do that. So uh, way back when I had like a guest book. I don't know if you even remember that technology, but it'd be like, come sign my stupid guest book. And that was like as close as we could have to like any kind of human interaction. And truly it just... It didn't even make sense to me that there should be interaction. But that I think like a lot of writers and authors, I think there's that thing where we're really craving feedback and we're just sitting around as like needy as people could be. And so I, I kept really abreast of those kinds of tools. What sorts of tools would allow us to do better interactions with people? And that's how I made it roll. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's it's amazing how quickly we've come so far in the last few years in terms of that as well. Oh, truly. It just, every single day seems to bring us something new to to add to the potential for connectivity, as well as to give people the set of tools that will allow them to disenfranchise their community as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's let's lay the foundation for our listeners. I, I want to get your experience in how you've built your community, but before you do that, can you give us some stats or some, some information around what your community now entails? Sure. So on my blog, I get around 200,000 unique monthly views. And that took me a really long time. For anyone who just balked at that number, it took me eight years to get my first 100 readers. So don't forget that. On Twitter, I think I have 227,000, about 22,000 on my personal newsletter, which comes out every Sunday. My favorite thing, by the way. And then various other places like Google Plus, I have over 100,000. And I don't much use Facebook or LinkedIn for business. So neither one of those counts to me. Yeah. Okay. No problems. That's great. So that gives us a little bit of perspective. So it took you a number of years to get your first 100 readers. How do you go about engaging these readers? Eventually, I got smart enough to put my email address on the website before there were blog comments and so that I could get people to write me and say, hey, I really liked that story or I liked that thing you shared. And when I switched perspectives, the, the other thing that got a lot of engagement was I first used to write for myself and I learned that's great if I want to impress myself. And when I started learning how to write for other people and write to serve a community, that's when things really lit up because people would want to engage because I was giving them more tools to do their work uh, better. So really from a long ways back, once I caught on to that perspective, the life of my world just got so much better. Okay, fantastic. So it was essentially you're able to engage them by just realizing that you need to write for the write for your reader or your, your community. Now, tell me, did you get to it or have you ever felt you've gotten to a stage where your community's grown to a to a size that you can't actually handle 
No. And again, at 200,000 or so people and with the 20,000 uh, plus email list, what happens every Sunday morning, which is when my newsletter comes out, I'll get somewhere between three and 500 replies because I strongly encourage replies in the email newsletter. And so some people are like 300 to 500 mail. What are you doing? But I love it because what people are, when people are complaining, I'm saying, wow, that's three to 500 possible impressions I can give people of what kind of a person I am, that I'm there, that I'm listening, that I'm there to serve them. And then oddly, when I have something to sell, the p person will choose to buy it because one of the laws of influence is that people buy from people they like. And so by getting the opportunity to show people that I might well be the kind of person they like, they have a better opportunity to go forward. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And as you say, uh, it's fantastic that you take that mindset, considering how large your audience is. And you're exactly right. People buy from people. And here's the thing. For, from my perspective, you only need 50 engaged customers to run a business and to, to run a very profitable business. That's a, It's an incredible way to look at it. And my goal is I, my number is a little higher than 50 of who I really need because I'm hoping not to sell people into the ground. So what I have figured out is that somewhere around a thousand, just like Kevin Kelly's concept of a thousand true fans. So what I'm looking at is how do I get about a thousand people at any one time as people who have bought and then I can keep the larger community 10 times or more than that or a hundred times more than that. So I, if I had a community of about a hundred thousand that I engaged with as much as I could, then I have the sense that I'd have a standard steady 1,000. But those are those are numbers based on the price points of the, the products and services that I sell now, which are an average price point around $400. So that's just the numbers I worked out and it's gonna be different for every one of our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you've built your community. Is, has it been mainly built around your personal um, blog? It has. The great majority of what has brought me some success was just building it around my personal blog. And there's a few times I've really lamented that. I've had three different sale offers on my site and I, part of me was just like, yippee, I'd love to. And the other part was like, how am I going to sell chrisbrogan.com? That's my name. So I have never gone with it. And so I have a little regret. Like I wish that I had thought that through and maybe made the blog called amazingincrediblewritingguy.com or something. But that, that said, Jake, what I've done for a strategy is make sure that everyone feels like they know me. And when that is true, that makes it easier all the way around. Exactly right. And I think potentially you're selling yourself a little bit short there, but building your own personal brand is very important because you're going to need it for as long as you're on this earth. And you've built that personal brand initially, but the, you've then been able to build out satellite brands around your own personal brand. And I, I guess I'd, I'd assume that's what you're thinking is a little bit with human business works. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not, it, my belief isn't that we need a whole ton of personal brands out there in the world. What the, what the opportunities are basically are that people want to do business with people. So how do we teach companies of any size or how do we teach professionals inside companies to do something really important? And I, I think to me, that's the, the big opportunity is you can teach people how to build you know, concierge class service, very bespoke service. And I think that's a biggie. So that's where I push people. Yep. Okay. No problems. All right. Let's let's look at then your engagement with your audience. You you touched on earlier about the fact that you're getting three four hundred emails on a Sunday morning or so. Could you run us through your process for handling handling your interaction with your audience? 
It's rather uh, boring and embarrassing. Uh, I start at the top and I work my way down. It's just as simple as that. And I would say that the trick of it is every now and again, there's something that'll come up a lot of times in a row. And I'll use on a Mac, I use this app called Text Expander and make part of my response a copy paste kind of a thing. But more often than not, I'd rather do it 100% myself. There's times when a lot of times people ask a very similar question. And I think there's nothing wrong with automating part of your answer as long as you personalize it enough that people feel seen and heard. That's kind's greatest need is the need to feel wanted. So all I do over and over again is find ways to better express that through digital technology. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. Let's go back a few years and let's go to, you've written a couple of books now. How did the opportunity come across for you to write a book? Oh, Jake, it's so embarrassing to tell this story because it's so unlike anyone else's opportunity would ever be this way. I was sitting at South by Southwest, which is a big event in Austin, Texas in the US. And I was sitting at the table with Ellen Gerstein, who at the time was director of marketing for Wiley. And she was asking me, hey, where would this book be? And she named a title that was coming out. Where would that sit in a bookstore shelf? And I said, in this kind of bookstore, it would be in business profiles. In this bookstore, they don't have that. So it would be in general business. And she just looked sideways and said, how come you don't have a book deal? I said, because books are horrible. It takes a long time. They're slow. You don't make a lot of money. And I'd rather just blog. And she said, oh, you should totally have a book deal. And my ego got the best of me. And there it went. And so I got a book deal. I called up my friend Julian Smith and said, hey, you feel like writing a book with me? And he said, okay. And so we, with no better skill or ability than that, just knowing that Julian was a very avid blogger like myself, we wrote the book Trust Agents. And by absolute sheer luck, we hit the New York Times bestseller list, the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, Amazon and Inc. magazine. And we're named one of the top books of the year from 800 CEO Read. So not bad for our first time out. Yeah, absolutely. It's as I say, for sheer luck, it's that's a that's an incredible home run. Mm, not bad. I haven't repeated it since. Three more books later, not once again on the Times list, but whatever. Once you're that New York Times bestselling author, you're the bestselling author of the crappiest book you could ever write, too. You still get to put that on the cover. Yes, and I can't take it away from you. <laughs> All right, let's let's get to the actionable item for our listeners for for this episode. Let's start with how would you suggest our our listeners, given they've got a blank canvas, how would they go about building their own audience out? Uh, my, my opinion is first start with the content itself, which is start with making sure the content is such that people will uh, be served by it. Uh, if you're speak, no matter what you're making, if you're making a podcast or a video blog or blog posts or newsletter or all of those things combined, if it's all about you and it's all about how great your company is and how great you are and what you do, then no one's going to care. That's like when we were little kids and we used to want to play superheroes together, only one Batman, only one Superman, etc. It's just not as fun. So make everybody else the hero and then you succeed. So that's my first piece of advice is in the content. Second, really streamline how you present that content to people such that they, they know exactly what you want them to do, such as you can make it as easy as possible for them to subscribe. In the old days, this used to be grab my RSS feed. Just it never really caught on. Tech savvy people understood what to do with that and very few uh, others did. So what I've done is, for instance, in the previous iterations of my website, I just made it more email. So I get 60 something percent of my blog readers are in an email format. 
I've gone even one step deeper. I've eliminated even that. And I don't even seek new blog subscribers. I only seek email subscribers because that's where my gold is. So make it easy for them to get to you. Three, make it really easy for people to contact you and get back in touch with them as soon as possible, as often as possible. And I think that's such a huge piece that gets missed by people. Four, try really hard to answer the person's question such that it serves them. And almost never try to make it, well, if you took my special course, although sometimes that is the right answer. 90% of the stuff that I do, I give away for free. And I find that with that amount of immense uh, perceived generosity, what people get from that is the sense that, oh boy, but if he's going to charge for this, it, it's going to be gold in there. And so I think that's an important thing. And I guess last, in, in looking this all over, just really keep working and working on brevity, simplicity, quality, because it's not amateur hour anymore. If you go look at video blogs or if you listen to podcasts, the days of us having really low quality material is just not allowed anymore because it's so inexpensive to do it well. And it's so simple with some practice to do it well, that it's just not okay anymore to do it simple. <laughs> wow. You make the entire process sound so simple. I love it. One thing I just want to point out with that as well, or, or add to it, one of my businesses is a travel agency and the goal of our marketing is to bring in new clients or, or bring in more clients. And there's one thing I've noticed that there's this whole section of our audience who have never really booked with us. And at first glance, I thought maybe these guys are a time sap, but in further investigation, I've found that the vast majority of the people who are really engaged with us who haven't booked, I'd call them raving fans. Essentially what they do is that they refer a lot of people to us. So uh, while they're not potentially prospective clients, what they are is awesome advocates of the brand. And as a result, they bring in a whole heap of extra clients. The best way to get that going is to start referring other people that you consider peers or even sometimes competitors. And the more you can do that sort of uh, generous giving, then reciprocity kicks in and people are going to want to refer you when the time is obvious and right. Remember this too, you're serving a community and the community will always be larger than the marketplace, but don't ever shun the community for the sake of the marketplace. Serve the customers who pay you, but love the community who loves you because that's where that gets grown. So to me, that's the biggest hinge that you can put in this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chris, thanks very much. Uh, it's, it's a nice, short, sharp episode, but there's a lot of gold in, in that. For our listeners, where can they find out more about you? I guess the easiest is just come to chrisbrogan.com and that'll give you the biology of me and give you a sense of where you can push some buttons. All right. Fantastic. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And Chris, thank you very much for coming on. My utmost pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. Thank you very much.